Hi guys, I'm Tooks, and this is the third episode in the Disconnected series by John Doe. Today, it's just, just me and myself, and we're going to talk to a couple of people that have pushed forward innovation within urban sports, and we're also going to look at the impact coronavirus has had on uh, the urban sports scene, and uh, how things will change in the up-and-coming new norm. But first things first, let's introduce ourselves. So we're just going to start off with... Uh, Naomi, can you introduce yourself and uh, the charity and organisation you work for? Yeah, my name is Naomi and I work for Ebony Horse Club and we're based in Brixton and we do horse riding and youth work support right in the heart of Brixton for kids from the local community. Amazing, amazing. And Matt, can you introduce yourself? Hi guys, my name is Matt Ferrari. I'm the creator of an event called Bike Storms, which is run in London which brings lots of young people together to enjoy a one day without any um, crime, violence or negativity. Right, so in this episode, we're going to explore uh, urban sports in the UK. We're going to address the importance of these scenes and how they benefit the community. We're also going to look at the impact that coronavirus has had on urban sports, young people and what we think the lasting effects are going to be. So I'm going to ask a question, I'm going to throw it out there. Um, and I think this one's going to start with you, um, Matt, because I know you started off. But first question is, what led you to start up uh, Bike Storms? What led me to start up Bike Storms was the lack of attention, the wrong attention that young people had in terms of the judgment side of people just assuming that if they carried a knife that they was bad. Um, so I just wanted to be the voice for misunderstood young people. That's amazing. That's amazing. And how did you get involved in uh, Ebony Brixton Horse Club? I got involved, actually, I started volunteering at Ebony before I worked there. But the charity has been going nearly 25 years now. And it was started up, um, our founder just saw that she lived on the Loughborough estate in Brixton and she saw that there was kids who didn't really have very much to do quite a lot of the time. And she um, went horse riding herself and thought, oh, I'll take some of these kids, see how they get on. And they loved it and they wanted to go back every week. And she saw all the positive benefits that they got out of it. So she started up the organisation, yeah, 25 years ago. And I got involved volunteering with about six years ago and I've been working there three years now. Amazing, amazing. And how have you found the local community in Brixton have reacted to Ebony? Do you know what? Our community are absolutely amazing. So the charity was started 24 years ago but the stables have been there nine years. So before that, um, they used to take kids off in minibuses and use local youth centres to do theory sessions and stuff like that. But the stables were built in 2011 and the community are just, they're, they're brilliant. They see it as an asset. People come around and drop carrots off for the horses. There's wow. constantly people like over the gates wanting to pat the horses, find out how they yeah. can get involved. Um, and I think they just see it as like a real kind of, asset because you, you wouldn't expect it to be there right so the fact that it is and the fact that it's providing a surface to a service to kids from that area everyone that comes is local i think the community just see it as a really positive thing and uh so the kids who uh who, who are getting to like be around these horses had they had experience with horses before 
most of them haven't at all no a couple of them might have ridden maybe like ridden a donkey on a beach or like I don't know like ridden once if they were on like a, a trip to the countryside or something but yeah. we've had kids. we had a 14 year old boy who came in about six months ago and he was scared to touch the horse so I said to him oh it's just like touching a dog and he said I've never touched a dog and I said oh well just it's like touching a cat and he said I've never touched a cat and I was like to me I, I grew up in the countryside right so to me, to never even stroke a dog or a cat at the age of 14 is, like, totally unthinkable. But most of them have never been around animals that big. A lot of them think our horses are cows because they're black and white, lots of them. <laughs> so they, they won't, won't realise. Yeah, it is really cute, but it just shows you that they've never been exposed to any kind of, like, nature or wildlife or anything. Because it's quite an age range, right? It's like quite young, right? What's the age yeah. range? Yeah, they, our youngest riders are eight, and then but we work with kids right up into kind of their early twenties. So yeah, some of, some of the younger ones, particularly, they've probably never never kind of been out of South London, never been anywhere green or or seen kind of any wildlife or animals, apart from you know if their family have a dog and stuff like that. It's incredible, right, uh, Mac? Now tell me a bit more about uh, bike storms and the local community, and also how the local community have reacted to bike storms? So bike storms, as I said, started in 2015 in the aim to bring young people together for a positive day in order for them to chase their dreams. Uh, it's, when we did our first one, we brought out, say, 400 to 600 children. That's what the numbers are. And it was amazing. It was like the kids came out. We went into contracts, and the contract was, I'll do this ride out, I'll put competitions, prices and whatnot, but the only thing I want you lot to do is not fight each other and give the government and the councils and anyone else with that view of you that the chance to say that we told you that this would happen if they came together. So we did our first day, we came together, and it was amazing that the kids didn't fight each other, there wasn't a fight amongst them. And it was the kids that the society was deemed to be bad or the most the troublemakers. So that went well. Being a new sport and the style that we riding on the streets, not everybody loved it. Society didn't love it. Community didn't love it. They didn't understand the mission at first. But over the years, bike storms, I've stayed consistent with putting the events on twice a year. And we've reached numbers now of up to 8,000 riders heading up to events. And the ethos is the same and the energy is the same. It's, it's no fighting, no knife crime, no problems. And it's just always showing our society that we can come together and not get involved in the issues that we get blamed for or that we're judged and so that we'll be getting involved in. And uh, why do you think it's important that bike storms exist? Well, to be honest with you, it's super important that bike storms exist, and I only say that after like seeing the results of the amount of friendships. I mean, I couldn't explain to you how many friendships, real friendships, real brotherhoods, real real bonds that have been built through riding a bicycle. Because the bike is the bond. So I might be a man, might be a scientist, a man might be on the road selling drugs, a kid might be studying to be an aeronautic engineer. But one thing that we all like is this riding thing, this style of riding. And what it's done over the years is turn people into 
brothers. And some of the girls, it's like they've become our sisters. And that's what, it's, it's just been amazing. It's been such a catalyst to let young people believe in themselves, to like have something to believe in a goal. Like once you come to Backstorms, it's a family that like you're meant to feel. Like I'm not saying that there isn't discrepancies amongst young people. Like we're perfect. We're not perfect. But that's the beautiful thing about what we do is that the most troublesome kids are trying. And out of everything I ask for from anybody out of life is if somebody is trying, anyone then trying to pull them back, they become the problem. And mm. my young people have really, really definitely demonstrated that if that back wasn't between their legs, then they're just standing human beings. And with standing human beings, you get kids groups. I mean, if you imagine I take out, I can get out to 100 young people out with me on a call of a ride-up. If I had those young people out with no bike in between their legs, that's us walking around. Just like as this, the lady says that um, with the horses and dogs, it's that but to train any horse or to train any dog, you need to exercise them to start learning and understanding. Yeah. They need to exhaust all energy. And that's what the riding does. It keeps us, or even me, I'm hyperactive. I'll be 10 times more hyperactive if I wasn't riding my bike because at the end of the day, I'm tired. So I'm not thinking of stealing a handbag. I'm not thinking about going all the way down to country to sell drugs. I'm tired. And I'm tired because I was doing something I loved. So at the time, I didn't even realize that I was missing out on selling drugs because with my wheel in the air, I loved it. So that's the effect that it's had on the kids. And that's why I continue to push, move forward and try and get the kids, the bikes into the common ground. But I push them over into what they like to do in life, whether it's art, music, science, cookery, it's amazing. anything. It's a bit like and what um, Daddy Dark from the Run Dem crew said when he started up Run Dem crew. I don't know if you heard of that. But the whole thing was Dad, that. Daddy, was Dark, that. Daddy Dark is my mentor. He's yeah, my he's guru. Amazing. He's my everything, amazing. bro. Like, trust me, man. He's the greatest. He's amazing. Because he, 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 he started up his thing, which is probably the UK's most famous Run crew, was that when you're, uh, if you go walking out as a young like, man by yourself, you can be seen as a threat. But when you're in running clubs, you're a runner. So it gives you the identity, which allows you to be safe and places you would otherwise be unsafe. And I think it's a very similar thing to uh, what Bike Storms is, is helping, is helping to create. And I guess the same question goes out to you, Naomi. Like, what sense of uh, freedom or opportunity do these kids get from being around the horses in Brixton? really really similar to what Max said so what brings what brings everyone together at Ebony is the horses you know we we know that those kids come through the doors because they love the horses and they love the horse riding they don't come to see me I mean you know they obviously we've got an amazing team of team who work with them and youth workers and support them and everything but but what brings them together is the horses and we've seen exactly the same kind of thing we've seen friendships formed we've seen people you know gaining like a bit of perspective in life, having a bit of target in life, just by having something that they're passionate about that is accessible to them, that's welcoming to them, you know, it really changes their perspective. So we, you know, we would never say that we're stopping people doing a certain kind of activity or we're totally responsible for someone's track in life. But what we are doing is giving people a safe space, giving them some direction, supporting them as they want to be. And, um, you know, we not all our kids are going to go and work with horses or whatever. Lots of them do, and that's fantastic. But we've had kids that want to go 
I've I've got a kid who well she's not a kid now she's she's like 19 but she went off to university to study to be a paramedic and she said she wanted to do it because she realized through coming to Ebony and through helping some of the younger kids she really cared about people and she wanted to make that her career so obviously she's not necessarily working with horses but we've been a big part in her in her like tracking life and deciding where to go and I, I'm sure it's dead similar with the bikes. Like horses are a really great leveller. So when you get on a horse, the horse doesn't care what school you go to, what grades you'll get in, how many followers you've got on Instagram, any of that kind of stuff. You get on the horse and you have to pay attention. You have to act in a certain way. You have to give off certain energy. And that's when you'll see results and that's when you'll you'll do well in the sport. So they're really, a really great leveller. When people come in the gates at Ebony, like everyone is treated the same, everyone's on an equal and they go and get on their horses and it doesn't matter what kind of day they've had, what kind of clothes they're wearing, they've still got to overcome all the same challenges, you know. And if you've got to get a horse to do, you know, it's a big animal and it'll only do what you tell it to if you're asking in a certain way. So you can't get on a horse full of anger and stress and upset because it'll just go badly wrong so our kids learn pretty early on that when they're when they're at ebony they have to act in a certain way because of the horses and that's what they're going to get out of it so so naomi can i add to your wonderful project um i walk around my dog ride on and with the kids no they could be rude cheeky and everything but once the dog's there it's such a icebreaker. Yeah. It's incredible. But what you will find is why, why I interrupted you with your horses is that you'll find that a lot of young people from the roads, they don't, they'll find coming around, they don't have nobody they trust. Mm. And it's something about a horse's eyes, yeah, this is going to sound crazy, is that once you get that trust and the horse looks at you, you feel different towards the whole world. This may sound so crazy. But why I think the horses is so incredible because once you build the trust of something so huge and powerful, you start seeing people in your life that you thought were superior as nothing, like what they portrayed. Hundred percent. And once and once they once they trust the horses, then they, then they start to trust people, right? It's not just about animals, like you say, Matt. Then suddenly, and then they'll start to trust us because they'll be like, "Oh, well, she must be okay because she looks after the horse, and I love this horse." And then, yeah, that kind of like trust and respect that they build with the horses, they take out to the people. It is amazing. I think that is the horses is amazing, and I really I would love to get some of my kids to see a different side of that life as well because I know with me I'm one of those people that I don't trust people but I would trust horses and then horses I reckon you can you can gauge life of animals and then you can see how people are acting you can see their temperaments how they're moving if they're erratic it's like like you say the horse don't like erratic behaviour so it calms down people I know five people off the top of my head who it would work for perfectly so yeah. I think that's amazing, 100%. Mac, you should bring them down. It would be really cool to maybe do some kind of like collaboration, exchange or something. Um, connection. I'll, I'll yeah. share your guys' details. I'll, 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 leap, I'll leap you guys in. Yeah, please do. Right, so, so something quite cool, right? So both of you guys, um, from, from what I've seen, have had like two really interesting, um, almost like celebrity type moments that, 
we'll probably start with uh, probably start with you, Naomi. Um, I've seen that a couple of kids been working with royalty. I've seen a couple of snaps of Prince Charles and Camilla. <laughs> can, can you tell me a bit more about that and how that came about? So Camilla is our charity president. And I love when I was searching this and Mac, I was looking at, at like your celebrities and your celebrities are the coolest people. I'm not saying that <laughs> Prince Charles and Camilla aren't. They're amazing. But, um, but yeah, on paper, it's pretty different, isn't it? And I thought that summed it up pretty well in terms of your, your preconceptions of the horse world. But, um, but anyway... Camilla, or the Duchess of Cornwall, is our president of our charity. So basically, she's a figurehead and she supports us. And actually, she is brilliant. She's really hands-on. I mean, she doesn't go and look out, but she remembers kids' names and she writes to us and she asks how kids are getting on. She's really, really supportive. And um, so she became our president, I don't know, about 10 years ago or so. And she came down to visit to Brixton just after the centre had been opened. And she said, oh, can I bring my mother-in-law with me when I come and visit? And obviously everyone was like, what? Your mother-in-law? And then it twigged that her mother-in-law was the queen. Yeah, the queen. So, yeah. So, yeah. so she came down with the queen, um, yeah, I think eight or nine years ago now. And it was, yeah, amazing. Can you imagine that for kids growing yeah. up in what isn't the you know, let's let's face it, it's a pretty disadvantaged part of town. And then the queen rocks up and shakes her hand and asks who their favourite horse is and stuff like that. And it's then, a very um, different experience in inner city London. That's not, yeah. the queen doesn't come round here. No. Awesome. And then last year, we went to Clarence House, which is obviously um, the Duchess and Prince Charles's home. And she did like a little reception for us there. And so we could take some of our supporters, which is great for them because it's a special day for them and encourages them to keep remembering Ebony Horse Club and supporting us. And we took some of the kids and we took a horse. So we took this horse called Splash, who's our celebrity, and he ate the royal grass and um, got fed carrots from the royal kitchen and all that kind of stuff. It was, yeah, pretty, really pretty special day. That's amazing. And in a very, uh, well, I guess celebrity in a very, very different way and in, in an equally as important resonant way, you can't really get away from um, Bite Storm's connection with Stormzy. And, I, and if I'm right, where where some of the Black Storm kids on stage at Glastonbury, is that correct? Yes, uh, yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, so Stormzy was one of the people, I tell people every day since this, uh, if you want something, that stuff that they call the secret, like vision and it will come, like there's something there. I don't, I'm not going to say I'm talking factually on it like it's a factual thing, but there's something there. Vision what you want. Yeah, vision what you want. And if you're, I think if you've got a clean heart and your intentions are right, you'll see it. So, um, basically, Bike Storms, when I started it, we was Bike Storms, so it's obvious I wanted Stormzy to get involved. Yeah. Stormzy didn't get involved till like the fourth year. And it was just such an amazing thing. Now, I used to break my back getting rappers to come down and like make the kids feel like their day was special. And however it turned out, it just never worked out. The rappers didn't come. I felt like I was begging them. And I just thought, you know what? It's whatever, man. At the end of the day, the kids still have an amazing time. Mm. Now, this time, the last bike storms, I was like, you know what? 
It is where it is. I ain't lying to the. I'm not lying to the kids. I'm not gonna gas them up like there's gonna be celebrities there, and it's not. We're just gonna put what we can put together for them. Surprises, competitions, like what we always do, and keep it natural and real. And that's what we did. And then went out on a ride. I planned it. It was an amazing day. I mean, we had eight thousand kids out, and wow. they didn't even know Stormzy was gonna be there. Eight thousand. Yeah, like it was crazy. Like they didn't even know Stormzy was gonna be there because I didn't promote it. Um, so what happened was I went on my ride, handled my day like I do, and halfway through my ride, someone phoned me and says, Matt, Stormzy's here. So I was like, what do you mean? Stormzy's there. <laughs> so like, Stormzy's here. I was like, like uh, okay. So I was thinking, all right, he's pulled through, but you know, the rapper, biggest rapper in the country at the time. I'm like, all right, it's cool, man. That's really cool. But I was about half an hour away on the actual ride out. So, because Blackstones is massive. Like, when we ride out, it can take ages to get round because it's just a massive queue of bikes. So I was half an hour away from my en- ending point. So people were telling me it's there. And I thought to you, like, this is being real. I thought, Mac, you, you didn't plan for him to be there. Right now, you're about to ride your, your butt off to go and, like, meet Stormzy. But then I saw all these kids around me and I was like, do you know what? This is what's the important thing. Like, yeah. these are around me. So we didn't rush. So I said, if, he, if I go there, I would have loved to meet him. But if I go there and he's not there, then fair enough, at least he turned out for the kids. And then maybe I can see him another time. And I went there, got there half an hour later, and the guy's still there. Wow. And not only is he there, he's there with one person. Flip. And I was like, all right, so what now? And I'm thinking, all right, let me like, work around him because he might leave soon. This guy stayed for, like, two hours. He's at the event just there. Brought a bicycle down there. And I was like, this is amazing. And he's giving me the same love that I'm giving him. He's telling me, I'm, I'm telling him, bruv, what you've done here is amazing. It's, he stayed He stayed longer than I imagined. Like, at, he stayed for the competition. He let the kids swerve him. So he put himself in a position that I normally do where you put yourself in danger, the bikes ride towards you, and then they swerve around you. <laughs> and he got fully stuck in and involved. And he left after that, gave me his number, he said, like, stay in touch. Normally you think someone of that statue, whatever, like, yeah, this girl, you're just doing it for like, this moment. But brother, I went home, woke up in the morning, and he messaged me a beautiful message, a beautiful, one of the most beautiful messages I've ever got in my life, like a two-minute voice wow. note, two-minute, 40 seconds voice note, of him telling me what he thought. And I was like, it really changed my life, bro. I'll be real with you. It was like, nah, that's, that's giving me so much inspiration. And then after that, I thought you can't get much better news than that. He's invited my boys, four of us, to do Glastonbury with him. Wow. And it was just my four boys on the stage of him riding their bikes. And that was such a uh, an achievement for everyone, for not just that's me. That's an iconic moment. That is yeah, an iconic moment. It was just amazing, incredible, and we just felt um, privileged to be in his presence at that moment, for him to be at our event at the, at the biggest point of his career, like historical moments, like a black guy doing Glastonbury for the first time, heading the show. It was yeah. just an amazing time, and bro, since then, he's been so genuine, so real. He's come out and done so much community work with not just myself, but with other charities that I'm connected to, and above, 
If I sing his praises no more, you think he's paying me. He's not paying me. I promise you, he's not paying me. It's nothing like that. It's an amazing story. The most it's amazing just, story. Just for somebody of his character, I mean, I've had people that are much lower than his character act like they like act like they should be treated like the queen. But stories he just came and he was not a rapper, he was a rider, and that was, that's a fact, bro. And that's all I'm gonna say on that. Now, how do you feel brands and the media communicate um, urban urban sports? But in in this case, let's start off with bike storms. How do you feel like brands communicate what you do? How does the media interact with what you do? Do you know what? In the beginning, it was hard. Like I say, it was a load of kids. We used to get labelled chads and fugs because they didn't understand. Over the years, we've, we've worked hard to get the approval of sponsorship companies, like big companies out there. And they've been helpful. They've really helped build the vision of what I want the kids to see, the sport, a new urban sport, which the kids love. They love being involved in it. And it's more than a sport. The kids are learning how to be cameramen. They're learning how to do video edits on all the software with Mac um, computers and stuff. They're learning how to open businesses, how to trademark their names. They're learning so much more than riding a bike. So with the sponsorship, and the sponsorships have helped the kids feel like somebody. Now, the sponsorships could be doing so much more but with us, we're, beggars can't be choosers. If you're going to show us a little love, to these kids, it's everything. Even though I know that they could be getting more to these kids, one little message from Nike is everything. So the dead Nike, Adidas, all these companies, they've got involved and they've made the kids feel like, right, there's a path. So me, I'm working with the sponsorships now to better the relationships so that the kids yeah. are getting more than a pair of trainers or a tracksuit that they're actually able to build careers. So it's just developing programs that the sponsors can um, sponsor, pay for, whether it's equipment that the kids need, whether it's clothes, whatever it is that they need, they're pressing, their most pressing need, that's what it's about. And brother, I can't lie to you, man. We've got a long way to go, but we've come so far. And meeting people like yourself, Naomi, like I said, it stretches out. I know five ways off the top of my head, like I'm saying that. If they hear about horses, they're going to be down there, not just wanting to ride the horse, but wanting to volunteer to help clean out the horses yeah. and that. The same, the same goes to you. I mean, how do you think media and brands really communicate the message of Ebony? And obviously, because it's in an interesting situation, it's in inner city London, and it's, you know, a horsey, you know, equine sport. How is that communicated? Yeah, it's really tough. So in a way similar to Mac, like there's definitely more that we can do, but we're really lucky that people have started reaching out to us. Um, and I think because it's, it is really unique that people people do see it as like, you know, really kind of unique story to tell. So in terms of media, it, we're pretty lucky that people do want to tell our story. And yeah. that's like everyone from kind of like mainstream press. But this year we had something in the Face magazine and Hook magazine, which is yeah, obviously the it. really kind of like, you know, cool um, publications and stuff. Yeah. And one of our kids was in, it must be two years ago, Nike did that big campaign about sport in London. And they oh, showed yeah, like yeah. it was went everywhere. Big, yeah, it went everywhere. And one of our kids was in that. It's right at the very end. She's on a horse that's like rearing up and the tower blocks in the background. And that was incredible to be in that because, yeah, because it just got us a platform. But in terms of, of like kind of brands and I guess their products and whatever, for us it's pretty strange because 
most like big sports brands don't really make kind of like horsey kind of gear so you don't really see anyone riding in any of their media and all the kind of horsey brands no one looks like our kids you know all all the people in like the horsey brands you know like tall skinny middle class white women um And, you know, riding out through, like, cornfields and galloping through, like, grass fields and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's pretty interesting for us where we sit. But what I really love is, like, you know, you'll you'll see our kids and they'll come in, come into Ebony and they've got their sliders on and they've got their trackies on and that kind of stuff. And they might not be riding wearing, like, the kind of, like, fancy kind of horse gear, but they can do everything that people who are wearing that gear can. So it's yeah. really cool to kind of see them that they don't really fit into that kind of stereotypical image. Um, I think obviously social media, there's like a lot, a lot kind of going on there in terms of actually there's there is people like the Compton Cowboys who are pretty big on social media and they're like really different kind of riders. There's a couple of other organizations like Ebony around the country that are that are kind of showing on social media that you don't have to have you don't have to live in the countryside to have a horse and, and be good at horse riding. And for us that's a really good thing to kind of tap into. Um, but really similar to Mac, like anyone who comes to us and and like Nike, we you know we only did one project with them, but that was incredible for that kid to be in that. And they came down yeah. and gave hoodies out, and um, and yeah, that was like a bit of a kind of tip of the iceberg for them. But for our kids, just to have a little bit of exposure to that is really incredible. And again, like Max, it's not just about getting a picture in a magazine or um, doing an interview, but it's about actually those kids connecting with that brand. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, do you know what? I, I like I've met someone who works there now, so that means I might be able to go work there. Yeah. And for them, for us, that's just as important because we want to open up doors and opportunities for our kids anywhere we can. So it's about long-term exposure, about long-term opportunities. It's not about the big bang dealer campaigns. Fantastic, shook mm. some hands and got off. You want brands specifically to show that mm. they want to invest in the community more. Yeah, and have that like human connection, not just invest in the community by saying to me, oh, can you send some pictures over and we'll run an article on it in a magazine or whatever, but actually coming down, seeing the kids, see what they do, talking to them, because that's that's what inspires the kids, it's meeting those people face to face. And, you know, if I say to someone, oh, I know that you guys look with Adidas, you know, if I said, oh, this, this guy does social media at Adidas, that would be so cool to our kids and to yeah. meet meet have that person be like a real human that they've met and and can chat about about life and how they got there and that kind of stuff it's really that's really powerful definitely and um so i guess the first question i i have about covid is how what was the impact that covid had on ebony well firstly like everyone else we had to pretty much kind of shut down so at the end of March, it was this big decision to get the horses shipped out of London. Wow. And the horses the horses go out of London a couple of times a year for holidays. But everyone knows when they're coming back. So it's like they go away for two weeks at Christmas and they come back. But it's the first time that we've kind of shipped them out of London, not knowing when they were going to come back, which was a massive thing. It was, I mean, I was in tears for like days about it. Um, and it was really big for the kids because for us to say to them, you know, we, we've got to send them away and we, and we don't know when you're going to be able to ride them again. It's huge, especially with everything else that's going on, with everything being cut off for them, like all their social yeah. networks and 
school it's it's incredible how many of them now appreciate school that they never did before um so that obviously was the biggest thing and then we as an organization think well what are we going to do now because we can't just stop supporting these young people we see 150 kids every week so we we can't just stop doing that so how do we suddenly go from an activity which is 100 face-to-face we have never done anything online before um yeah. so how do we carry on supporting them and actually the team has been incredible and within like a week we were doing stuff on zoom wow. you know all of us trying to like learn how to use zoom and set it up and all of that kind of stuff um and we've done Zoom sessions every single week for the kids. And we've done outreach, like loads of phone outreach. We've got loads of kids who we know just can't engage with Zoom for whatever reason. So we've had been doing phone conversations with them, phone mentoring. We've been sending families like links to stuff like where they can get emergency food. We've been giving out supermarket vouchers. We've given out laptops. Yeah, so it's it's actually, I think, put into focus more than ever that we're more than just a riding club. Of course, everyone comes in because they love the horses and they love the sport, but actually we're much more than that. And like Matt said, all the different stuff they're doing to give their kids opportunities, that's the kind of stuff we want to do. I think that's a really, really important message to get out there as well, to make it really, really clear that other than it just being an outlet for urban sports, people mm. are gaining, you know, real-life essentials here. And, and like, it's, these are urban sports which are tackling specifically problems that, that come up in, you know, less economically empowered backgrounds. And yeah, I totally. That. Yeah, I think that's a really great way of putting it. I mean, that's the thing. We're, we're providing the sport, but actually what the kids are getting out of it is friendships, it's support networks, it's career advice, it's life skills, like learning about just all the all the kind of key life skills that everyone talks about communication and teamwork and responsibility um and yeah in an area which actually is not very economically advantaged and we specifically work with families who are from lower incomes so we knew straight away that our families lots of the parents are in um jobs that might be like zero hour contract they might be self-employed um and we knew that their jobs were going to be probably the first ones to stop they're not a lot of them aren't in the kind of jobs where they'll just be furloughed and carried on getting their wages and whatever. So we knew that we had to think about it wasn't just now how can we keep the kids entertained, but it was how can we support those families, make sure they've got access to food, make sure they can get their medicines, make sure they've got access to support that they need. Um and yeah, all that all that other stuff that that goes with it, which is um being Incredible. a big yeah, it's been a been a big learning curve for us all, but I think actually I'm really proud of the whole organisation and how we've reached out to families and tried to tried to do our best to support them. That's amazing, and and, and obviously, and Matt, sorry, yeah, lots, sorry, just lots of our families as well. You know, they're not they're living in potentially overcrowded flats, overcrowded accommodation. They haven't got access to lovely big back gardens, so they're also not only hardest hit economically but hardest hit in terms of well-being physically mentally um not very much access to technology that kind of stuff so it's been a big kind of triple whammy for a lot of them i think it's important work and the same question goes to you mac like what was the effect of covid on bike storms well the first thing that affected us was bike storms was due to happen on the 11th of March or 
Yeah, I believe that when it was meant to happen, it was meant to happen before, just before Corona, and we got shut down. So that couldn't happen. It was a huge impact on our culture because we was looking so forward to it. We had so much plans. Like we was just moving into our new sector of like development, and it was going to be amazing. So that was a huge hit for us, and yeah. But on the flip side, I like to see what positives came from the situation. A lot of my young people are in situations where they're affiliated with gangs. And some of them don't want to be in the gang. Some of them have never had the excuse or the right reason to step away from the gang, to say, no, I don't want to be there today. So I think the world needs to look at situations like how many kids are actually still alive because they wasn't walking the street, because yeah. they was actually able to be locked down with an excuse yeah. where they didn't even need to go to the shop no more. How many kids get stabbed going to the shop? They was kids were able to get three months freedom from their everyday bully. Bro, you can't. There's kids that I know that are trying to spit on the floor to make sure Corona stays around because they're just safer. It's just like, it's not a thing where anyone can say, oh, I'm a chicken now. I'm staying in my house. It's like, everyone's in their house. And I'm alive. Some of these kids have been the happiest they've ever been. It's only kids that didn't experience these problems that are not going through bullying. But you've got to imagine, every kid that gets bullied was happy when we got it locked. It was a kid's dream. Not that we got coronavirus, but it's most kids' dreams that we had to stay in our house. Like, people woke up like their dreams came through. So, As in, like, Corona created some almost, like, social relief for people who was always under pressure, especially kids who were under pressure who things they didn't want to do. social relief for adults, for people, like, that are recluse but are forced out to society. It gave so much people so much relief to be themselves. It let kids have a freedom of, I don't want to go to school today because... Someone's going to mention the spot on my nose. Someone's going to mention the fact that my bum is bigger than her bum. Someone's going to mention this. And I know the world's a big place and it keeps turning, but you don't understand what it means to me when it's mentioned. And those type of people got such a break from that everyday stuff of, we wake up, if you're not bullied, you wake up every day, you just step out and don't think about it. When you're bullied, you're like, do I really, really, really have to go out there to be? And we just have to understand that this believe it saves lives. It took a lot of lives, but it saved a lot of lives of the children that I've been trying to help over. It's given them a new lease of life. It's let bullies start seeing themselves differently because now you've got to stay in and you're actually in a household with your mum where you wasn't before. So you're seeing everything. Bro, this whole corona thing had an effect on everyone in negative ways, but I see a lot of positive ways. So what do you think the lasting effect of the coronavirus is going to be? The lasting effect of corona in terms of bike storms is that when our community gets back together eventually, it will, it will give us, it will take away, if we had small issues, those small issues I think will be diluted for the fact that there's, bigger, there's a bigger picture here. And the picture was before, is if I wanted to call you an idiot, I couldn't do it to your face before. So now it's like, Let's forget all that stuff and say, yo, we're together. There's so much unity that can come from this situation. 
in terms of like Naomi's situation and the horses and that, it's a little different because the horses have to go. It's like there's a bond. Like I, my thing with the kids, I love my kids. So me being away from them, not being able to see them, was hard. But if I was away from my dog for that amount of time as well, like the kids are away from the horses, it's like, well, are the horses okay? Are we gonna get to ride them again? It's like it's a huge, it's a huge effect on everyone. But I think long term, it will only have. In terms of what we're doing and trying to create better communities, it will only have a greater impact for us. But financially, in the financial world, it's obviously going to take its toll. But that is a world that our young people don't necessarily need to worry about because they're going to make decisions whether we like it or not. But what we need to worry about is our state of mind, of our happiness amongst each other. They can make us all slaves. But once they close the door and they go to bed, are we? can we make our own entertainment here? Can we entertain each other? Are we happy with each other? Because this world's always going to throw something at us, but this situation here can allow us to unite as a community and do things together no matter what. So in the next corona, this Zoom thing, we won't go into it the same again. If we ever have to go into lockdown again, everyone knows what time it is. Zoom time, get together time, start creating creativity. It's like all of that. But yeah, man, that's me on that. Now, same goes to you, Naomi. What do you think the lasting effects of corona are going to be on Ebony? So I think there's definitely some of the points that Max said about the community coming together, which we've really seen. Um, and and that, yeah, I hope will stay and be really positive. It'll be interesting. Mac, what do you think is going to happen when like lockdown pretty much finishes and the kids are allowed kind of back out and stuff? Because we've seen the same, you know, seen lots of our kids that we'd be worried about being out on the street at night well we haven't had to worry about that but now things are loosening up a bit we're not kind of sure what's going to happen what do you reckon about that sorry i've just diverted the conversation <laughs> no, no, no it's interesting now i reckon that it's going to be a little sticky at first the kids are going to be excited mm. there's going to be a lot of things um taken out of context uh but at the same time like i said there's been so much love implemented in it. Even if you're not a loving person, it's just being around people again. There's something different in it. And especially with the whole like Black Lives Matter situation that's happened, that's not just affected young black people, it's affected every person across the world. Mm-hmm. So young black boys are coming out and at least, at least 40% of issues have been resolved due to that. So I'm talking about like black and black violence with knife crime and that there's a lot of people that are not gonna not gonna be in the same state of mind that they was. So hopefully I'm expecting a little turbulence, but that should only last a week after everyone's reunited and things have happened. But listen, knife crime is always gonna be here. It's yeah. always going to be here. The only thing we can do, Naomi, is the kids that you see, the kids that come in and that you're touching, you make sure that you can do the best of what you can do for them. And with me and you, it's a pay it forward thing. Hopefully, those young people that you're teaching, they pay it forward. Me and you might not be able to change the world, but they might. And me and you can't say, oh, we do this, we've done so much, and then someone got stabbed tomorrow. That's unfortunately life but we have to keep pushing and pushing because if people like us stop pushing then the bad have all of the playing field 
And that's never going to be good. So as long as people like me, you and other organizations are here on the playing field, then it, it creates a bridge for people to get over. Not everybody's going to want to walk over at the same time. Yeah, totally. Wow. And like you say, wow. like that, that was amazing. I feel like I want to... That was... That was uh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that was... That was... Oh, very like positive say, right now. I know, right? Um, but yeah, like you said, we're real, realistic. We're not necessarily going to change the world or change every single person's life. But if we can change a few, and like you say, they go on to influence more people, um, yeah. then that's that's what we're about, right? That's that's the work. But I think I think do you know what I think? The post COVID world or whatever the the lasting impact. I definitely think that in the short term people are going to be really appreciative I think our kids are going to be like they're going to hug them horses like they've never hooked them before and and hopefully each other I think they're going to be really appreciative of, of that kind of stuff I've even seen loads of kids now that are missing going to school because they're missing their friends they're missing the fact that they got to get out of the house and be active and stuff like that so I think it's going to make people appreciate each other and appreciate what they've got in the community um, but I do think that, that lots of families who maybe weren't in a great financial situation before are going to keep struggling. And I, I'm no economist or expert on finances, but I don't think that's going to change in the next couple of months. I think we're going to see that for, for quite a long time. But we we have seen a lot of community initiatives and people coming together to support each other. So I think if that can continue, I think if those people who had that will and the resources to do that during lockdown can continue even after lockdown's finished and when they might have to go back to work and that kind of stuff, I think that can be could be really positive that, that there's going to be lots of people looking out for each other. Amazing. So uh, one last question, guys. Um, how do you guys use uh social media to reach out to young people and to get them to join your organizational charity so i guess we'll start with uh you naomi oh no i was like don't start with me <laughs> social media is like my worst thing not my worst thing but I do, it's definitely from a personal point of view it's not my strength um i had to get one of the kids to teach me how to do a story on instagram a few months ago <laughs> So I think the best way that we we could use social media is to get our to get our young people to drive it to help you know for them to share their stories and um, it's something that we've been trying to do a lot like we're probably pretty guilty of um, posting pictures of cute horses and uh, actually I think we need to be a bit bit more focused on the young people and share their stories share their journeys what share what you know where they've come what they're doing now because that's what we're all about obviously the horses are great and it's it's cute to see pictures of them like all looking all lovely together but um but actually we're about these young people and the amazing things that they go on to achieve and so that's what that's what that's what our kind of focus is at the moment but do follow us on instagram ebony horse for brixton and obviously twitter and facebook and all of that but yeah we just try and shout about shout about what we do and show the breadth of what we do i posted a picture of a laptop the other week and said about how we'd been giving them out and it's not the prettiest picture in the world but it shows an important part of our work so we just need to keep shouting out about it but yeah if anyone wants to come and do my social media for me that would be amazing and same goes out to you max how do you use social media to reach out to the young people for bike storm um just through my community uh my platform will be my platform but then all my youngers they've got 
their own platforms. We create a post and we repost it. And the energy stays there. And it's a family. Me, personally, I hate social media. I've got Instagram <laughs> and I've been on Instagram for five years now. And just like Naomi, someone had to teach me how to do it. I didn't have a clue what this light world was. I'm still getting to terms with it. However, to make change, you have to be in, you got to be in it to win it. And that's why I do Instagram. I, I don't do Twitter. I don't do Snapchat. I don't do Facebook. I don't do any of these things. I, I'm just Instagram. And it's grown. It's grown. I reckon that a lot of my stuff has grown from, uh, just like I say, my coach is massive. So a lot of my kids have 100,000 followers. 150,000 followers, some of them got 400,000 followers, 30,000 followers. So once we put something out, it, it does spread. And they're great. They're, the kids are fantastic with social media. They fully know. If you look at my bio, um, that was Chizzy who done my bio because my one would be a mess. Like, I would write my bio. It would be a mess if I wrote it. But Chizzy, these kids know how to operate the world. And with guidance, you will see that they're not just going and following the troublesome pages. They're following pages that can help them in their life, like be better people, uh, develop their skills in life. I mean, I love social media for that reason, for like the side of, that I'm involved in. It's amazing. And I just keep my page open. I keep it honest and I keep it real. I never ask no one to repost my stuff. I never asked for that. Uh, I think people should come and follow me naturally because I've had rappers shout me out and then I've had like, 2,000 followers come and follow me, but they don't understand my journey. They don't understand me. So I'd rather, if you're going to come and follow me, understand me. So you'll understand why sometimes I'm moving a bit soft and a bit weak, but it's, I'm on a mission. I'm not a weak person, but my aim isn't to be showing my masculinity and fighting and, oh, I'm upset all the time. It's about, I want change. And sometimes you've got to be different and make changes in a different way, different approach. And it's not always about displaying anger but i've been all all shades of colors on my instagram i've been angry happy in tears i've been ecstatic i've been confused <laughs> i've been everything i've just given them the real side of me and i say if you're opening up the instagram page always just think about your your audience if you're gonna be rude think about why think about who it's gonna affect Think about when you're leaving a comment underneath someone's page, who you're affecting. Is it really worth it? And is there another way that you could get the same attention without hurting anybody? And I think those are the important things about social media because a lot of people have committed suicide over little silly things on it. So that's it. Wow. I mean, uh, firstly, massive thank you guys for coming on today. That's been uh, a freaking powerful conversation. I really appreciate really. your time. Um, if you guys could, I'm just going to start off with you again. Naomi, if you could just uh, say um, the organization and your social media shout outs and any events you have coming that you want to drive people to, that'd be great. Naomi from Ebony Horse Club. Go follow us on Instagram, Ebony Horse Club Brixton. Check out our website and yeah, keep, keep up to date with what we're doing with the kids and horses. Bike Storms London is the name of the event. It's Bike Storms Official is the Instagram handle for Bike Storms. And my Instagram handle is Mac underscore impact. And 
yeah, events coming up. I'm just waiting for clearance from the council, the governments, to make sure that I'm not breaching anything. And then I'll let out all the dates. But I normally let out within good time. And yeah, you normally a month before the event, definitely you'll know what time it is. And Man. yeah, I've, it's been amazing being part of this court. Naomi, I think what you're doing is incredible. I didn't know that there was horses in Brixton, but I'm coming down to see the horses. <laughs> do you know what? Like I was just thinking we should do like a joint ride out and we can, we take our horses around the streets in Brixton and we should get some of your guys on bikes and we should do like a joint, joint ride out with the horses and the bikes. We've done something with John Baega in Burgess Park. They brought some horses down for a Joe Malone advert and mm-hmm. that was incredible. So yeah, yeah, we definitely can meet up and as long as the horses are safe with the bikes and they're not scared, <laughs> then that's I worry about the horses more than the kids. I can't yeah, no. so, no, they'll, um, they'll, they'll be pretty cool. Our horses are pretty incredible, you know. We um we normally send them away for bonfire night and we haven't the last couple of years. And this year bonfire night around Brixton was, you know, it was like fireworks central everywhere. And we had yeah. these kids on horses on on like the fifth of November. And someone wow. set a load of fireworks off in the estate and they went like crazy. And I was like, oh my God, this is when Ebony Horse Club gets shut down. And the horses just sort of looked at them and went, carried on walking. And it was pretty cool, actually. There was all these fireworks going off all over the place, like some kind of like war zone and these kids just going around on the horses. So I yeah. reckon they'll be all right. Maybe, maybe not 8,000 kids on bikes, but 100 no, we'll do a little small, we'll do a small, we'll do a little tester to see how it goes. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'll get your contact details. If you could forward it, then we can definitely yeah, sure. um, have a conversation. And, this. But yeah, thank definitely, you. guys. Thank you very much for your time. Thank it's been you. An absolute pleasure. So uh, next episode, we are going to uh, talk about UK music. Have some UK musicians on there. But remember, subscribe and share. All of our previous available episodes are available on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts. And our visuals are available on our IG channel.